This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to enter life. Magic just fizzles out. The sad, sad day in the NFL. When Minshew Mania, Minshew Madness, the man, the myth, the legend, fizzles out. Yes, that's right. You heard it right. Nick Foles is going to be taking over the starting role for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm extremely sad. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. But, I mean, we had to see it coming, right? Especially after that terrible game in London. And I don't think that anybody, anybody saw that coming with Gardner Minshew. I mean, I knew that Leonard Fournette would struggle. But Gardner Minshew with those four turnovers? Oh, it hurt my soul. It hurt my, my heart. It hurt my insides. Man, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. But. It's not all over yet. It's not over for Minshew. Hell, he's a six-round rookie. They're putting the guy back into the lineup that they signed to a massive contract that won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. We had to see it coming. We knew that this could not last forever. One bad game once Nick Foles was healthy, and we knew Nick Foles would take over that starting role. But Nick Foles isn't a guaranteed lock for production. Nick Foles, if he strings together two or three bad games with this Jacksonville Jaguars team, oh, you better believe that the chants are coming in, that the emails will be coming in, that the Twitter hits will be coming in. People will be begging, absolutely begging, for Gardner Minshew to come back. I know I will be. I want to see that guy out on the field, and I want to see him producing again and again and again. It's not over for Minshew. Not yet. Keep your head up, Minshew. We got you. We got your back here at Fantasy Intervention. Welcome on in, guys, to Fantasy Intervention. We have a great episode for you guys today. We have That's Erroneous and Flawless Victory. That's where I talk about the stuff that I got wrong last week and talk about some of the stuff that I got right as well. We also have... Love Me, where we talk about some waiver wire pickups and keep your eye on the buy, talking about what we're looking at from each team. But I'm going to start out this episode by talking about some of this crazy, crazy injuries that happened. I mean, injuries happen in football. We all know that. But this week, this week was insane. The amount of injuries that occurred and how serious a lot of these injuries were, you would think that it actually opened up a lot of opportunities for other people. But that's the crazier thing. We had a ton of injuries this past week, and honestly, it's not opening up opportunity for any other players. Preston Williams, for example, he's going to be out, and he's going to be missing the entire rest of the season. That sucks. This kid, this undrafted rookie, came in and produced, and does that get me any more excited about Jakeem Grant or Albert Wilson? No. 
I'm not excited for that opportunity. Devontae Parker, sure, he gets a little bit of an uptick, but am I excited about the opportunity? No. Jacoby Brissett obviously went out. Does that get me excited about Brian Hoyer or anybody else on the Indianapolis Colts? Maybe Marlon Mack. But I'm not stoked about Jacoby Brissett going out. I don't think Brian Hoyer's a bad quarterback, by the way. I think that he's a solid backup quarterback, but he's a backup quarterback. I mean, normally when injuries occur, it creates opportunity for other players. But in the spots that a lot of these injuries happened, it really, really screwed up some fantasy teams. Tennessee Titans cornerback Malcolm Brown went out. He had a broken wrist. That's obviously a huge deal for the Tennessee Titans defense. Malcolm Brown was playing extremely, extremely well so far this season. So keep an eye on that. Let's see if the Tennessee Titans become a little bit more porous in that secondary with the loss to Malcolm Brown. Jacoby Brissett, we talked about him going out. He is expected to be out at least this weekend. We'll see what happens with that. The Minnesota Vikings with Adam Thielen. He went out there, played a few snaps, ended up coming out saying he could not do it. He re-aggravated that hamstring injury. I don't see him playing this week up against the Chiefs. Deshaun Jackson, this is a huge one, guys. Deshaun Jackson is out. He re-aggravated his abdomen injury. He might not play the whole rest of the season. He's not worth a stash on your rosters. And I bet you the Eagles right now are kicking themselves for not putting a waiver claim in for Josh Gordon. Get Deshaun Jackson off your rosters. Hey, and keep an eye on Nelson Aguilar. We're going to talk about that in the love me section. So, so we'll get right back to that here in a little bit. Obviously, we talked about Preston Williams going out versus the knee injury. I talked about possibly Jakeem Grant maybe getting a few more snaps. We have Albert Wilson that should see an uptick in snaps. And Alan Hearns should see an uptick in snaps as well. If Ricky Seals-Jones is out for the next game, just keep an eye on that because that could open up the door for Harris. And then before we hop into that erroneous and flawless victory, I just want to note a couple other players that are coming back. And we're talking about Darius Geis, who has a bye this week, but should be eligible to play in the following week. And I don't know if they're going to take away snaps from Adrian Peterson because he has been playing well, but keep an eye on that situation. I mean, if I were the Redskins, I would just ease Darius Geis back into it, give him, you know, four or five snaps a game, make sure this kid is healthy for 2020. But... He is worth picking up, especially if you have a roster spot to burn because one of the players I just mentioned is out or on injury reserve. The other player that we're looking at is Kareem Hunt. Freddie Kitchens said that he will have a role there. So keep an eye on Kareem Hunt. My guess is that he's going to actually play as a third down back and Nick Chubb is still going to get the majority of the workload. So I told you guys before you should have traded Nick Chubb. His schedule is not very advantageous and his value is at an all-time high following the Patriots game. I would have traded him off by then. If you haven't traded him yet, do it now. Try and acquire somebody like a Nuke Hopkins or Le'Veon Bell Plus. I mean, if you could end up getting Le'Veon Bell Plus, like an Emmanuel Sanders or Robert Woods, I would do it. I would do it as soon as possible before he loses all of his value. So, with that being said, guys, we're going to hop into our next segment where we're talking about flawless victory, and that's erroneous. Here we go. As you guys know, I always started out with That's Erroneous, where I talk about the things that I get wrong first. I know you guys want to hear where I fucked up and if it's going to continue this next week or if things are going to change. The biggest thing that I fucked up on was a stack of Gardner Minshew and Connolly. 
and I thought that they were gonna go off this week up against the Houston Texans, but unfortunately, that just was not in the cards. And it's kind of funny because the Houston Texans have actually gotten better and better at defense since J.J. Watt got hurt. So, I don't know what's going on there in Houston. Maybe they just rallied together, but the defensive back commonly looks good that they traded for for the Oakland Raiders. And honestly, I mean, I'm wondering if Houston is going to make a huge playoff push this year. I mean, the Houston Texans, for me, they're my biggest dark horse sleeper of somebody that can take down the Patriots. I mean, it's them and the Ravens for me. But, back to it. Gardner Minshew threw for 309 yards, get two interceptions, two fumbles. Conley only had two receptions for 32 yards. It was game in London. And now Nick Foles is coming in and taking over for Minshew. So obviously, we're not going to see too much more Minshew. He can be dropped along with Conley as well. Erroneous! Erroneous! Erroneous on both counts. Keelan Cole came in and ruined everything for me. Keelan Cole came in and got the targets that Conley was going to get. Ended up with, I believe, five receptions for 80 yards. I mean, I wanted that to be Conley, plus a touchdown. Obviously, that did not happen. Keelan Cole, I hate you. That's where I fucked up. Obviously, can't happen again because Minshew's going to be out. So, on to my... Flawless victory. That's the first thing that I got right. And we're going to talk about why I got that right and why I hit on that. And that's my trash stack of Leonard Fournette and the Jags defense. Obviously, I feel like Houston's offense is extremely, extremely strong. And the Houston defense, since J.J. Watt got hurt, like I just talked about, has been an absolute monster. Flawless victory. Bigger monster than what Leonard Fournette was. Leonard Fournette had his second worst game of the season. He only had 40 rushing yards. Dude. The Texans are the real deal. Anybody playing the Texans running back-wise, I'm not playing them. And honestly, their secondary looks improved after this past game. So, keep an eye on that. I actually have to go in and look at this defense and kind of dissect to see if they're as good as they look or if they do have some porous holes in certain places. But, I mean, I'm not somebody that wants to play anybody up against the Texans right now. On to my next That's Erroneous Call. I took Tyrell Williams over Marvin Jones. And this was actually tough for me to do this week because I couldn't find anything that I actually called wrong. Like, I got Jonu Smith wrong as well. That was another thing. But I had to go through and listen to my episodes because in my notes, I didn't have barely anything written down that was wrong outside of the, the Gardner Minshew, the Jonu Smith, and the, the Goddard take. So... I am going to go this way where I took Tyrell Williams over Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones, I didn't feel like was a bad play necessarily. I just thought that he was either going to go off or he was going to bust. So with that being a boomer bust candidate, he obviously hit. I just thought personally that the Oakland Raiders would take away the deep ball because they do let it go from time to time. And that's what, the, that's what Marvin Jones just did two weeks ago. So I thought that they would game plan better to take away Marvin Jones. They did not do it. I still like the play. But I took Tyrell Williams over him, who just faced double coverage the entire game. I mean, the Oakland Raiders, they've looked good on offense. They really have. I mean, Josh Jacobs still had a monster game, but I thought they were going to be working off the play-action fake, and they did not do that this week for him. He only saw four targets, got three catches for 48 yards. Erroneous! Erroneous! Erroneous on both counts! I wanted to see more out of that. It didn't happen. But side note. Side note on this. I talked about this kid, Foster Moreau. He's a kid out of LSU. He's a tight end. He's got insane speed scores, insane agility scores. I mean, his burst is insane. This kid is an athletic freak, and I think he's actually a better athlete than Darian Waller is. He's now had three touchdowns in his five games as a rookie tight end. 
I'm pissed off because I had him in a dynasty league and I dropped him for one week when I thought that Demetrius Harris was going to go off and Demetrius Harris didn't go off and somebody else scooped him up off the waiver wires. I'm so mad at myself for dropping him. If you're in dynasty leagues, you need to pick up this kid Foster Moreau. And if you have Darren Waller, you need to pick up Foster Moreau just in case something happens to Darren Waller. This guy is a monster. He's an absolute monster and they're using him a ton in the red zone. So yes, Pick up Foster Moreau if you own Darren Waller or if you're in a Dynasty League. Now, on to my next one of what I got right, and that is Devin Singletary. I told you guys that the Patriots adjusted to the Redskins at halftime, and they started running all their wide receivers over to one side, and they would leak out the running back to the other side. And the running back would be in single coverage on a linebacker. And James White just crushed us crushed us. Well, the Bills are in the Patriots division, and you know that they watch all the game film. So I had a feeling that the Buffalo Bills up against the Washington Redskins, they would do the same exact thing that the Patriots did. And guess what? It worked for them. They did it. Flawless victory. Devin Singletary ended up having 95 yards, one touchdown, had three receptions for 45 yards. I mean, the Bills just followed suit for what the Patriots did. This was an easy, easy call for me. I knew that Devin Singletary was going to work. You had to play Devin Singletary. Up next for what I got wrong, and I said that Goddard would have a better game than Ertz, and Ertz just went nuts. Absolutely nuts. But this was a crazy week because 15, 15 tight ends had double-digit fantasy points. What? Yes, in PPR, 15 tight ends had double-digit fantasy points. Let that sink in for a second. Yeah, but Zach Ertz was probably one of the biggest ones out there. I mean, he had an absolutely monster, monster game, and I knew that one of these two guys would go off. I mean, it was just bound to happen. Uh, I don't think that the Chicago Bears are very good up against the tight end. They've allowed bad tight ends to still put points up against them. I didn't think that Deshaun Jackson would be at full health, so he was going to be used as a decoy, which would open up the middle of the field for Zach Ertz, and that's almost exactly what happened, except for Deshaun Jackson didn't play the whole game. But yes, their game plan still revolved around getting their tight ends in the middle of the field, down the field, and worked out tremendously this week for Zach Ertz. Erroneous! Erroneous! Erroneous on both counts! Oh, Lord. Now, does this continue? I think that the momentum could help out when it comes to Zach Ertz getting back on top. But looking at the schedule, you have to assume that he's going to play up against the Patriots, and with them coming off a bye, they're probably going to have some design plays for him. They're going to have to pass up against the Patriots, so I'm playing Zach Ertz in two weeks. There's only one thing that scares me. Just one thing. The Patriots aren't that great up against the run. And they could end up running the shit out of Jordan Howard, and they could end up running the shit out of Miles Sanders, but I think that they're still going to need to move the ball through the air a little bit, and that's where Zach Ertz comes in. Following the Patriots, he has the Seahawks, the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Redskins, and then the championship game is up against the Cowboys. You better believe that I'm holding on to Zach Ertz and most likely playing him in all of those matchups. All right, on to my last thing of what I got right. And I could go with Emmanuel Sanders here. I could go with Adam Thielen and him coming back too soon. I'd go with Diggs up against the Chiefs. I mean, these are all ones, but I wanted to point out Melvin Gordon, I sat there and told you guys with Anthony Lynn taking over, he's a previous running back coach. He's their head coach. He fired the offensive coordinator. He has been the running back coach throughout his entire career. 
He was going to get Melvin Gordon going. It was undeniable. Melvin Gordon went off. I mean, he had 80 yards rushing for two touchdowns, had three receptions for 29 yards. You were playing Melvin Gordon if you owned him. You had to. He was going to go off. And I haven't been on Melvin Gordon's side for the past three weeks. I told you not to play Melvin Gordon last week. I told you not to play him the previous two weeks. I said, I want to see it first. But this past week, this past week with Anthony Lynn taking over, you knew there were going to be fireworks. Flawless victory. That's what Anthony Lynn's goal was. He didn't care if he won or lost the game. He just wanted Melvin Gordon to produce, and that's what happened. So, Anthony Lynn, Melvin Gordon, you guys came together and proved me right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. That's going to end our segment for That's Erroneous and Flawless Victory. Up next, we have Love Me, Love Me, Love Me. Love me, love me, love me. All right, guys, I know this is why you really tune in to this episode. So, I need to remember to slow it down a little bit. I know some of you guys say it's a little bit too intense and I talk a little bit too fast. But hey, I love fantasy football. And I get excited about it. So yes, sometimes I do talk too fast. I'm working on it. But here we go. We're going to talk about a few different guys who are on the waiver wire. And this week is extremely tricky because of the fact that six teams are on by. So I'm going to go a little bit deeper into what I typically go. And my number one waiver wire pickup for the quarterback position is going to be Daniel Jones up against the Jets. And don't forget, Daniel Jones just crushed it up against the Lions. Obviously, the Jets are a really easy matchup as well. I mean, the Jets are just falling apart. I'm picking up Daniel Jones this week, and I'm playing him. And the crazier part is the fact that he has an insane, insane playoff run. His last three games are up against Philly, Miami, and Washington. So if I'm somebody that streams quarterbacks, I might actually hold on to him just for the playoff run. I mean, he's not startable after the Jets game and then up until he plays Philly. But with Philly, Miami, and Washington on the slate, I mean, he's a stash for me. He's a huge stash, and he's my number one quarterback waiver wire pickup this week. Now, when we look at some of the other quarterbacks... We have people like Brian Hoyer up against Miami. We have Ryan Finley, who did phenomenal in preseason, who absolutely crushed it. He's up against Baltimore, and Baltimore's been okay lately. They sucked in the beginning of the season, but ever since they acquired Marcus Peters, they've been doing better. Ryan Finley, for me, isn't necessarily a must-play, but if you're in dire need or you're in two QB leagues, I think that he is startable. He should be passing a ton. Yes, he might turn the ball over two or three times, but if he ends up with three touchdowns, two of which come in garbage time, I'm happy with that. I'm extremely happy with that. And we know Zach Taylor wants to run a fast-paced offense. He's going to do that. And Ryan Finley could be the biggest beneficiary. But keep an eye on this. Ryan Finley, five of the next seven games are just easy, easy matchups. So I'm not only picking up Ryan Finley to play this week, but I'm also could be playing him in the future as well. I mean, for me, if I have a roster spot to burn and I need quarterbacks, my quarterback situation is messed up, I might pick up Ryan Finley and not play him this week just to see how he does and then play him in the easier matchups later on so that way you can still get him. Now, you have Ryan Tannenhill up against the Chiefs. So if you stream quarterbacks, Ryan Tannenhill up against the Chiefs. And I talked about yesterday how the Chiefs have actually been pretty good up against the quarterbacks. The reason why I'm pivoting off that this week is because the Chiefs are going to be on the road. They're definitely a lot worse than the road. 
And if Patrick Mahomes plays, this could be positive game script for Ryan Tannehill. I mean, if the Chiefs go up, that means that Ryan Tannehill is going to have to pass, and he's been extremely, extremely solid when it comes to consistency at the fantasy quarterback position. Tannehill is an option for me this week. On to running backs. Forget what you heard about Le'Veon Bell. Forget what you heard. He's okay. They ended up signing Josh Adams because they were trying to block the Dolphins from getting Josh Adams. That's the only reason why they brought him on the team. Le'Veon Bell is fine. He's going to be playing this upcoming weekend most likely. So no, you can go ahead and leave Ty Montgomery and Blah Paul on the waiver wires. But you know who you are picking up? You're picking up Ronald Jones Jr., who I talked about a little bit in this past episode, how he's now getting opportunities in the passing game. I believe he's now had two catches in each of the past two weeks or something along those lines. But he's getting opportunity, and now Bruce Arians is coming out saying he's the starter. He needs to get more touches. He needs to get more work. God, I've never been a Ronald Jones believer up until this past week when he won me some money in daily fantasy football. So thank you, Ronald Jones. I am now a fan of yours, and I think that he is the top running back pickup this week if he's on your free agent waiver wires. Well, first off, Jalen Samuels should already be owned. So if Jalen Samuels is out there, hurry up and pick him up. I mean, he should already be owned in every single league. Uh, Darius Geis, like we talked about, is coming back. Kareem Hunt, like we talked about, is coming back. But the big guy that I'm looking at after those guys are going to be Kalen Balaj. And Kalen Balaj has had opportunities before. Last season, he ended up getting one game where he actually got 12 carries. He ended up running in that game for 123 yards and one touchdown up against the Minnesota Vikings, who were pretty stout up against the run. So, Kalen Balaj, he might get opportunity, and his playoff schedule is once again insane. He has the Jets, the Giants, and Cincinnati for the playoffs. You need to pick up Kalen Balaj and stash him on your rosters. Okay, don't play him up until the playoff run, but he is definitely a stash for me for the playoffs. Like I said, he has the Jets, the Giants, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Pick up Kalen Balaj and stash him. That's going to wrap it up for our running backs. We're going to hop on to the wide receivers. And Josh Reynolds, when he gets opportunities, Josh Reynolds produces. So Josh Reynolds is definitely a pickup for me. Last year had multiple games with starting production. Uh, This past week, when Cooks went out, Reynolds came in. He had three catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he produces. He does have a few tough matchups. So you have to sit there and pick through it. But coming off a bye... So they could end up game scripting for Josh Reynolds because the other team will not be ready for it. Now, Josh Reynolds is great. And I do have my number one waiver wire pickup. And let's go ahead and scratch out Jamison Crowder. He should already be owned in your leagues. If he's not, pick him up. Josh Gordon, same thing. But my number one waiver wire pickup for the wide receiver position is going to be Pascal. Now, I've already talked about it. I already thought he should have been owned. He should have been played this past week. And with T.Y. Hilton out, he's produced really well two out of the past three weeks. But keep in mind, Paris Campbell is now out for the year. I forgot to mention that in my injury section. Paris Campbell is out for the year with a broken hand. That's going to open up more targets with T.Y. Hilton still being out as well for Pascal. Now, can Pascal go up against the number one cornerback on that team? Can he handle double teams? Well, he has the build for it. The guy's a a man. like He's a prototypical number one wide receiver. So I think that he has the build for it. He has the athleticism for it as well. I mean, he has high-end speed scores. He has high-end agility scores. And an early dominated rating for college. However, he did go to a small school. He went to ODU. And ODU is actually right down the street from me. If you didn't know, it's in North. 
And I know small school prospects are tough, but he still did dominate. So I'm really interested to see if he can handle the work of the number one wide receiver and deal with, like I said, those double teams in the number one cornerback. But his schedule is insane as well. He has Miami, Jacksonville, Houston, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay up. I mean, could you ask for a better schedule? Well, you can if you're the Jets. They got a better schedule. But no, the Indianapolis Colts have an insane schedule. I'm going to be picking up Pascal. He's my number one waiver wire pickup this week. Uh, Devontae Parker could be an option as well. I want to see if he actually produces. I mean, he should be owned in most leagues anyways. Now, Nelson Aguilar actually makes for a questionable ad. And Nelson Aguilar, it's tough, man. He drops a ton of balls. But there was a point in time where Alshon Jeffrey was dealing with a couple different injuries. And he saw the targets. And Alshon Jeffrey this past week hurt his ankle. Now, I'm not sure how serious it is. It's understood to me to not, he's not going to miss any games on it. But Nelson Aguilar did outsnap him this past week, having 79 snaps, which is the most that he's seen in any game so far this season. Now, they do have a bye, and then they face New England. So obviously, you're not going to be playing him for the next two weeks. So if you want to leave him on the waivers, then that's fine. You can do that. But after that, he has Seattle, Miami, New York, Washington, and finishes up with Dallas. So if there is anything going on with Alshon Jeffrey and that ankle injury, then this could end up being a league winner. So keep an eye on Nelson Aguilar. And then Hunter Renfro is interesting if you're in a deep league. Hunter Renfro has been producing at a high-end level the past two games, and Derek Carr has shown a lot of faith in him. So Hunter Renfro, if you're in a deeper league, you can add him. He's just not consistent enough for me yet in order to add him in like a regular 12-team league. Now, I'm getting a lot of questions about Ola B.C. Johnson, and I'm saying do not add Ola B.C. Johnson. I know, Stefan Diggs is going to get a lot, a lot of coverage, so should leave Ola B.C. Johnson in one-on-one -on -one coverage. But the next two games is Dallas and then Denver. They've been extremely stout, and then you follow that up with a bye. So the next three weeks, Ola B.C. Johnson should stay on the waiver wires. You're not going to be playing Ola B.C. Johnson up against Dallas or up against Denver. I know. Listen, listen. I know. You have Calvin Harris who's going to be on Stephon Diggs. You have Byron Jones who's going to be on Stephon Diggs. But I just don't have a lot of faith in Ola B.C. Johnson being able to beat even the number two cornerback on either one of those teams. I mean, he's not athletic. He's not big. He's not that physical. I mean, the only thing that could happen is, I mean, Denver go up on Minnesota, so then they have to pass? No, that's not going to happen. I mean, the Cowboys go up on Minnesota, so they have to pass? Possibly. But I don't see the game strip working out for old B.C. Johnson where you'd start him over somebody else. You would have to be extremely, extremely desperate in order to grab old B.C. Johnson. On to my tight ends. Wahoo, cruising through this. My number one tight end pickup of this week, I mean, if Jared Cook got dropped, you could pick up Jared Cook. I mean, he's up against Atlanta, OJ Howard versus Arizona. You could finally play him. Oh, my God. Uh, Herndon should be back, so that's an option as well. But I'm going to narrow it down to three guys that are on a lot of people's waiver wires. You have Gerald Everett, who is coming off a of bye week, so he could have gotten dropped. You have Hollister, and you have Noah Fant. And I think that Gerald Everett, who has an insanely, insanely easy schedule for a tight end, should be the number one waiver wire pickup, especially if Brandon Cooks is out and continues to be out. But Noah Fant is extremely intriguing because of the fact that he had 13 targets with eight catches since Emmanuel Sanders left. So they're showing that they're trying to get them the ball to get him to progress as a tight end. They know they're not going to win this year. Plus, they got a super young quarterback back there who's scrambling around 
trying to find anybody to pass to, and there's Noah Fant on a broken play. So I think that Noah Fant, he's going to get targets, and I think that he can produce with those targets, and I think that they're going to continue to call plays for him to keep him developing as a rookie tight end. And then on to Jacob Hollister. And I like Jacob Hollister. I played him in a ton of DFS lineups, and he helped me win some money. So I'm a big fan of Jacob Hollister. He has two different weeks so far since Will Disley went out of six targets. So I think that if he continues to see those targets, then we'll continue to see production. But does Josh Gordon going to the Seahawks affect it? I mean, they don't run a lot of three wide receivers. Are they going to start doing that with Josh Gordon? It scares me a little bit off of Jacob Hollister because I think that Luke Wilson is still going to be the starting tight end there. But keeping on Jacob Hollister, he's worth rostering, especially in the deeper leagues, or if you don't have a solid tight end. So that's going to wrap it up for us for Love Me, Love Me, Love Me. Now, on to the last segment, which is Keep Your Eye on the Bye. Right, guys we get our next segment keep your eye on the bye this is where we're going to talk about certain teams that are on their bye weeks what players are on their team and what the team might be looking to do when they come back from their bye and we're going to start it out with the Denver Broncos who obviously have an issue over there with the quarterback situation Joe Flacco Drew Locke could be coming back soon and I think that they're going to see what they have in Brandon Allen before they just throw Drew Locke to the Wolves but this team is a young, developing team, and I talk about it all the time. I mean, look at their wide receiver core. You have Cortland Sutton, you have Tim Patrick, you have Deshaun Hamilton. Those are all super young guys. You have Noah Fant at tight end. You have Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman at running back. They just drafted the offensive lineman. I mean, they are building up a phenomenal offense if Drew Locke pays out. So I think that they still will get Drew Locke in at some point in this season, but you just have to wonder. Like, if he is back, I mean, he's coming off the IR, so he hasn't been able to practice. He has, he has he been getting enough reps with this team in order to make a start anytime soon? Like, could week 11 be the first week that he starts with extreme lack of reps and coming off an injury and being a rookie quarterback? I just don't think that's going to happen. I think that Brian and Allen should start at least two more games and give Drew Locke an opportunity to get more familiar with this offense. Let's see what you got in Brandon Allen. Why not? You have plenty of time to tank for the whole rest of the season. So we obviously already talked about the players here with Cortland Sutton. You need to pull him out of your lineups. You probably don't have Brandon Allen in your lineups, but maybe if you picked him up, you know, after this past week, yeah, you don't want to start him. Obviously, he's on the bye too. Uh, Royce Freeman. Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant, like I said, he's a big waiver wire pickup for me because I want to beat everybody else to him. But yeah, you cannot play him this week. So make sure you get all those guys on your benches. When it comes to the Patriots, uh, obviously we're looking at Tom Brady. We're looking at Julian Edelman, Mohamed Sanu now, Philip Dorsett, James White, Sony Michelle. Get all these guys out of your lineups. It's a tough week, man. That's like half the fantasy producers right there. But no. Uh, make sure you get all those guys out of the lineup. What are they going to do throughout their bye? Probably work on getting Mohamed Sanu more familiar with their offense and try and get some of their other key guys healthy. The Patriots are in one of the best situations, period. So I don't really see them making any kind of dramatic changes or anything along those lines. On to the Eagles side of things. And the Eagles are obviously going to work on their secondary. 
when it comes to things that they need to improve on. Could they shift some of their guys off of the running game into the secondary and you know get teams to stop passing on them? I mean, they have done better as of late in a few different games, but still, I mean, you cannot win in the NFL when you stop teams from running and force teams to pass, but you're terrible in the secondary. That's like the recipe for disaster. I mean, that's what Tampa Bay does. Like, yeah, get those guys out of there. Focus on your secondary. Look for Miles Sanders to have, start to get a couple more touches in there. You know, I talked about how Miles Sanders fumbled in college every 30.8 touches. That's terrible. And then he started to do it so far in the NFL. But Deuce Staley has been working day and night with him, trying to perfect that technique to stop him from fumbling the ball. And he's done better in the past couple weeks. Now, I think that he'll start to see more design plays for him and he'll start to see more work in the passing game. I mean, he's still getting a good amount of targets so far, but I think that only increases from here on out. So look for Miles Sanders to get some work in. Look for them to get Zach Ertz in there as well and get, continue to get him involved in that offense. Deshaun Jackson, there's a good chance that he does not come back and play this year. I mean, if they make the playoffs possibly, but yeah, no. Sean Jackson, the abdomen, it does not look good over there. They'll continue to work with Nelson Aguilar and a few other receivers to try and fill in or continue to fill in for that Deshaun Jackson role. Now, onto the Redskins side of things, and the Redskins are an absolute mess. I mean, I know that they're hoping to get Case Keenum back, but Dwayne Haskins, they need to get him prepared. They need to start getting him reps. He didn't look absolutely terrible last week, but he definitely didn't look good by any stretch of the imagination. I can see them start to work with Haskins and getting him work along with Darius Geis. We could see an increased role for Darius Geis. Now, I'm hoping that they don't just throw him out there because that's how he's been getting hurt. But Adrian Peterson should still continue to see a shit ton of snaps, a shit ton of carries. Darius Geis could mix in a little bit. Look for them to also start to work with Terry McLaurin and get him back on track from the way that he started out the year. That could be a huge thing coming out of the bye weeks. Players you need to get out of this roster could be starting this week. Uh, Case Keenum possibly, but you know you probably benched him last week because obviously Haskins played. Uh, get Adrian Peterson out of there. Jeremy Sprinkle if you're in a deeper league, I guess. Terry McLaurin. Yeah, get all those guys out of your roster lineups. All, all three of them. <laughs> all right, on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, also with the with the Washington Redskins, don't forget their defense has steadily gotten better and they've improved every single week. So look for their defense to continue to improve as well. They do have the Jets coming out of the bye week. So, I mean, that could be a huge game. That's definitely going to be a team that I'm talking about on tomorrow's episode of Poppin' Tags. So a little bit of a spoiler alert for you. Next team that is on their bye is the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to look for Foles to get back into a rhythm with this team. We're going to look at Lennon Fournette and some more design plays for him and making sure that Nick Foles is still including him in the offense. I mean, outside of that, maybe they're going to work a little bit on their secondary. The player that I'm really interested to see if they actually start incorporating their offense because they've They've been showing it a few different weeks as Ryquel Armstead. And if you're a Leonard Fournette owner, you need to go ahead and go pick up Ryquel Armstead. He could start being involved in this offense. And obviously, you need him as a handcuff for Leonard Fournette. So go pick him up. If you have Leonard Fournette, Chris Conley, D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Shark, uh, Nick Foles possibly, in your lineups, you need to make sure you get them out of your lineups. Now, on to our next one. We have the Texans. And the Texans, I mean... They've been on fire as of late. Their defenses look good. Their offenses look bum. And Deshaun Watson has been an absolute animal. I mean, absolute animal. Now, Will Fuller, who exited the game in week seven with a significant hamstring pull. 
we could be looking close to his return. So, does he come back in week 11? I don't think so. I think that they're going to still work with Kenny Stills on that deep ball, and I think that they could end up getting him a couple deep balls in this upcoming game. But yes, Will Fuller, keep an eye on him for your waiver wire pickups. See where he is health-wise, because when he comes back, he should have a couple big, big games with Deshaun Watson, you know, when he's happy to have his, his toy back. Uh, Kiki Kuti as well could start getting incorporated in the offense a little bit more and Darren Fells who has just popped lately they can continue to work on play calls for him because they're not used to having a good tight end out there. Darren Fells could be featured in this game coming up after the bye as well. So if you own Deshaun Watson, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Stills, Darren Fells, get them out of your rosters. They're going to be on bye this week. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. Yeah, we're done. We're done. We're out of here, son. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode today. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for the comments. I am working on a few different things. Obviously, I'm still not moved in. I mean, my house is still a complete wreck. But I'm hoping the sound quality has improved a little bit from the old house where we were in an empty room with echoes and refrigerators and dogs walking on the floors and... Yeah, all that craziness. So I'm hoping that the sound quality only goes up from here on out as I continue to tinker with this. And yeah, it's been fun. I'm working on our website, guys, working on our Patreon page. Expect to hear an episode out tomorrow as well and DFS on Thursday. So get excited about that. If you guys want to follow us on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash fantasy intervention. If you want to listen to us on any other platforms, we're on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple iTunes, and Stitcher along with CastBox. Yeah, if you guys have any questions for us and you're on Fantasy Football Discussion, we will answer those questions first. So add us, bro. Add us, Fantasy Intervention. At me, bro. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening and helping us out and progress. I'm excited about this. We're moving on up. I couldn't be more stoked. Hey, and thank you for letting me intervene with your Fantasy Football Live. That's how you bang a podcast.